0: Hi, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. On this episode, we have on Paul Wachlow from Pennsylvania. Hi, Paul.
1: Hey, Molly. How's it going?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Good.
1: Good, How are you? Doing very well. Doing very well, considering the world is uh, in in quite chaos around us. Uh, I can't even believe how busy I am these days with everything that's going on. So I'm very, very happy to say I'm very, very busy.
0: Well that's good to hear. Yeah. Cool. So the question that I ask everyone, because people people always want to know, what's your story? How did you get started chainsaw carving?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty remarkable because I was uh I was in corporate sales pretty much my whole life. I had my own business when I first started out. I was printing T shirts and then I was uh you know when I was out of college. I went to college for uh, Electrical engineering and mechanical engineering got a degree in electromechanical drafting and design. So that was where my uh, t- that was where my history of education was, but I never really put that to the full test. I worked in a top I had a top secret clearance uh, where I was drawing uh, in a in a, a lab s- uh, scenario doing uh, around the I guess it was around the Reagan year I was doing the uh, Star Wars weapon so I was drawing these things out and you know I didn't really enjoy that too much because it was in a closed environment I always had the windows closed blinds down and didn't really appeal to me too much so uh, after that I got into uh, construction and I started uh, working on uh, different uh, multi-million dollar houses doing uh, different things like uh, drywall and, and carpentry and so forth so I enjoyed working with my hands Uh, one of the things that I always enjoyed was drawing. And that was something that I found, you know, kind of served me later in life. And when I was in my corporate sales, I was designing apparel and BMW of North America was one of my big accounts. So I designed the apparel you would buy when you go into buy a BMW car or a motorcycle. So if it was a t-shirt or a hat or a bag or whatever, that's what I designed. And I traveled all over the country. I was always in a airplane or driving in a car or in a hotel room somewhere. And I have three children uh, with my wife. We, we uh, have been very busy uh, at the, in those years, but I spent a lot of time away uh, making money for other people. Uh, that's the way that's the way I like to put it. So um, anyway, I did that for, for many years and I used my, I guess, my visual skills. My mind does work in pictures. So I did use that element, but I'd never sculpted anything. So Around 2012, I think it was around 2012, my da- one of my daughters, I uh, think it was Sarah, said, Dad, you should see this TV show. Uh, and she was watching Saw Dogs. And uh, I said, oh, I said, i take a look. Came down. I think I watched the first episode. And that weekend, I went out and bought a chainsaw. Came home with this chainsaw. My wife and my kids were like, what the hell are you going to do with that? They They knew I had never picked up a chainsaw. I didn't know how to start it. I didn't know how to put the oil in it. I knew nothing about chainsaws. So they were, you know, fairly concerned, justifiably so. They were like, what, what is he gonna do now? Uh, not the craziest thing I've ever done, but they were concerned. So I learned, you know, how to use the the saw, how to how to, you know, be safe with it. And those are very concerning times. Those first couple of weeks with any new chainsaw carver, I always think, man, how to how do people survive that? Because we're not just cutting with the saw; we're using the tip, we're plunging, we're really doing a lot of dangerous stuff. And there's not typically an instructor at your side; you're you're winging it, and that's that's what I was doing in my driveway. Uh, right. but what I found was after about a week and a half, I had stumbled my way through my first little bear, and there I was in my driveway. And I, I live in a nice neighborhood, you know, half million dollar homes, and it's in a big circle and uh, people would walk by my house and go, hey, uh, you know, are you going to sell that? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'll <laughs> sell to you. And sure enough, I started selling right off my driveway. I wasn't soliciting. I wasn't trying to sell these, but yeah. the word was out. Hey, there's a guy, you know, carving because people were walking their dogs or whatever. So commissions started to started to come in. Um, but I do have to credit saw Dogs. I have to credit all those guys on that TV show. Uh, many of whom I know on a first name basis that I can call and I can talk to, and it's, it's a really great, uh, uh relationship and I really do appreciate the uh, approachability of these guys. Uh, the fact yeah. that they'll take my call now, you know, guys that were on TV. Uh, but anyway, so I started that The first couple commissions start coming in and I'm still, you know, I'm coming home on the weekends, flying in from wherever or traveling and I'm just dying to get that chainsaw started. So it was burning. It was a passion very, very early on. I couldn't wait to get back and start with that uh, that chainsaw. And even when I was traveling, which was really funny, I'd be in my hotel. A lot of the times I'd get my paperwork done and sales was done for the day. I'd go to Michael's and buy a box of clay. In my in my hotel room in L. A. or Texas or wherever I was, and I'm in my hotel room sculpting a little eagle or a bear, you know. And it, it, I'm sure the, the the cleaning crew when they came in in the morning, I'm sure there's all like, like you know bits of clay. <laughs> I tried to clean up the best I could, but I'm sure they're like, what the hell is this guy doing in his, in his room? Uh, yeah. then I'd walk through the lobby in the morning with this little sculpture, and everybody's going, what is this guy doing? But uh, yeah, that that was very early on. I realized that I really really liked sculpting. So, um that was the start of it and it took me um not too long to realize that there was money to be made. That was my sales and marketing mind that said, "Okay, there's there's some money to be made here. But I have three kids, I have a mortgage, I have a couple cars, kids in college now, and boy, am I going to be able to make a living at this." So, that was the question in my head. Like my wife and I would sit down and go, "Wow, this is well, what are we going to do here?" Uh, But so it turned out there was a market, uh, a farmer's market about 10 minutes away from my house. And I live in York, Pennsylvania, small town, cows and trees and, you know, not not a big town, but we have Baltimore to the south and we have Harrisburg to the north And this particular market has a lot of traffic coming through it. So they're a, a farmer's market, they have orchards, they have you know, all kinds of different stuff that you can purchase. But the owner of that market was just a wonderful old man. Um, he, he was just a really good guy at Brown's Orchard. And uh, he said, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I stopped in one day, I talked to him. He said, hey, why don't you come out and, uh, and carve in the, in the driveway, basically where the, the uh, people come in to, to shop at the store. I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So I did a bench for him first. So I did a bear bench, two little bears on each end. And then I I did their logo on the backsplash. And that was out front. So everybody was taking pictures with that. And then they would see me on the other side carving. And I would carve my, my usual fare, what I could handle at that time, which was very rudimentary. Um, but that venue, that market gave me such exposure that got me on the front page of the newspaper that got me TV interviews that got everybody talking about it. And within a couple weeks of that, I think it was like a month and it was timing too. Timing is everything. It was very early on where I got market. I got, uh, advertisements. People were talking about it. I think it was in springtime. So the, the market was really buzzing. So I was getting commissions just just stacking up because people wanted something for a birthday. They wanted something for mom or dad or an anniversary or a special occasion. So it wasn't just the the pieces that I had made the inventory. It was custom commissions. And that really got my, got my attention. And again, I guess I do fall back on the fact that I, I did create a logo for myself. I did market myself in the sense that I did signage. I had business cards. I knew that I had to create pieces in my mind that were uh, retail quality. I wanted something that people would look at and go, Hey, that's, that's really nice. I will spend $500 on that as opposed to some, some carving uh, mentality is, Hey, I'm going to get stuff out as quick as I can. How fast can I make five bears? And sometimes I believe that that quality suffers in that case, but I guess our industry does have the, the reputation for, you know, rudimentary quick, in that that's fine that that, there is certainly a big industry it's almost an expectation of the roadside carver to have a bear that is just quick and basic and people are like yeah i'll give you you know a couple hundred dollars for that and be on my way and everybody's happy Um, but what i found was i wanted to take it to the next level i wanted to polish them a little more i wanted to paint the eyes i I just always and even today i guess now this is what 2020 i went full-time in 2014 so i've been full-time for six years Uh, And in that six years, it has just been a rocket ride because uh, I, I, after we sat down and said, okay, can we make this pay the bills? And it was very shortly after I started, I guess it was about a year and a half and we went full time and I was able to just jump right in. And, and what really happened too, I found was when you're doing it part-time, it doesn't seem like your whole heart and soul is into it because I was still making money for somebody else. I was still, you know, selling and driving all over the place. And my head was really in that game. Once I went full time, it seemed like the gears were turning a hundred percent for me and my business. And that really changed the game because then my full force of my Creative and my business sense all worked for me, and I started to really think about how I was going to build the business, where I was going to market it, social media, uh, websites. Um, and I, every every carver that I talk to that doesn't have a website, I'm like, look, stop right here. You need to get a website together. Um, a good website can make or break um, your exposure. Social media is good, and I can't say anything bad about the exposure social media gives you because. There, are, you know, I think there's 10, 000, almost 10,000 people that follow me, and I maxed out at 5,000, so I had to back that friends down. I think the next step is to go as a public figure, but I'm not even worried about that at this point. But the the website is very very important, and I use a site called One and One, which uh, quick plug plug for them, but it's nine dollars a month, and I'm not a computer guy. Um, you basically plug and play. Uh, you put your images in there, take them off, you pick a layout and you just start dropping your images in there. And pictures speak a thousand words. I've always said that. And uh, when somebody's looking for a carver, what are they going to do? They're going to go on the internet and then they're going to type in chainsaw carver. And if your name doesn't come up, it's you might as well be invisible. Um, you can you can get business on the side of the road, you can get business in your local hometown. But The clients that I wanted and and the clients that I'm getting today are people with serious discretional income that they don't blink at a $5,000 sculpture. Corporations, cities, uh, you know, uh, state parks, those uh, corporations that have significant money to spend, that's where, that's where it gets fun. That's where you're like, uh, wow, this is a, this is a really fun business. And I, I, I quickly went from the smaller commissions to more, uh, more lucrative uh, business because of the website. So, boy, that's a big point that I would say anybody that's listening to that, check out your website. Have somebody else look at your website, somebody that can really give you an honest critique uh, and say, hey, what do you think of my website? You know, and and get hopefully it's somebody that's honest. Because some people say, oh, no, that's great. <laughs> that's right. good." And I know people that have spent tens of thousands of dollars, you know, on bigger, bigger websites. But then I spend nine dollars a month. Um, you don't need a webmaster, in my opinion. You just need to take good pictures. Uh, my son, is uh, he's 27 now, but he takes really good pictures of his clients. He's a professional kiteboarder, if you know what that is, and he travels all yeah. over the world with that, but he has really nice camera equipment. I don't know how he got good at it. He just took a lot of pictures, and he is exceptional. And he understands lighting and focus and, you know, all the different effects that you can do. But most of us take pictures with our cell phone and the quality on the cell phone these days is tremendous. So get familiar with the cell phone photo mechanism, um, how you can take a photo. I never take a photo and just post it. I always touch it. I go into the, the, the settings and you can touch it so many different ways. Crop it. You can affect the lighting and the exposure and you can really make a Good photo look really great, and that's just with a few seconds of manipulating. And uh, that's something that I pride myself on, because people always compliment me on my on my website. And that's something that I think is really really important to to elevate you from a hobbyist to a full time person. Because I just feel that man, this is I, I have almost have a license to print money. I I just feel like I'm so fortunate to have found a business that. I can take a piece of wood and a chainsaw and create something that somebody's going to give me a bunch of money for. Uh, It's really, really remarkable uh, business model. And I don't know of any other business. I mean, artists, it's always the the starving artist. Um, No, (laughs) I don't want to be termed as a starving artist. I I almost take offense to that. Uh, the, The starve or carve I got to tell you, that just makes my, oh, I just like, no, no, that's not the way you need to look at this. You know, this is a vehicle. This is a vehicle that, you know, I work a couple months out of the year and I I take, we take a month off uh, and go and go to Europe. And, you know, that's very doable in this business because it's, uh, it's something that I love to do. Um, It's not work to me anymore. My, My mantra, you know, find something you love, figure out a way to get paid to do it and it's not work. And I 100% think that's a much better mantra. Um, but we took, uh, we took a trip, the last one we took, uh, we went to Europe, we flew in my wife and my son and myself, we flew into Milan, Italy, and rented uh, BMW touring bikes and rode down from Milan down through Monaco and up the French Alps to the um, Mont Blanc, and then across Switzerland to the uh, what is that? The Matterhorn, and then across the Italian Alps, down through Lake Como. It was just fantastic. And I, you know, when I was in corporate sales, to get a week off, I mean, you gotta, you gotta really, you know, beg and plead to get time off. And and when it's All your right. own company, when it's your own company, you can say, hey, guess what? You know, we've I, I can book book business to the point where we can take that time off. And uh, I can't say enough about that. But uh, elevating the carvers that are You know, when I was brand new, it was the Ridgeway Rendezvous. Uh, Liz, Bonnie, God bless her and her whole family. I mean, I would drive up there with my trailer. I think at the first time I went, I had a a minivan. I had a Honda Odyssey minivan. uh, And I drove up there and I sat in the back corner and I listened to these guys talk. And I'm making notes and taking pictures. And I I was just drinking it up. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, And again, the approachability of all the carvers on the streets up there. Um, I'm not, I've never really been into the the competitions. Um, that's not really my thing. I'm like, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, Oh, I'm the best. I'm the best carver. I'll, you know, here's my trophy. See, look, that's not at all. I've never been really interested in that. It's just talking to these guys and learning and Hey, how did you do that? Or watching what they do? And they would put the saw down and they would talk to you. Uh, and at that yeah. time, again, I, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just really thought this is a, cool way to make a living. And I want, I want in on this game, right? So uh, I I try to be that now. I try to, uh, I've done a fair amount on my website. I have a fair amount of time-lapse videos. That's how I taught myself. Um, I, I watched other people carve. There's, I don't know who the carver was, but I, he carved an eagle and it was a time-lapse. It might've been a three-minute video, but I must have watched that 50 times. And it was just so uh, effective. It was so, uh, essential for me to watch how he put the saw and how he held it, how the wings started to take shape, how the head, you know, evolved, came out of that piece of wood. I just found fascinating. Um, but that's I get calls, you know, on a fairly regular basis, guys that say, "Hey, um, do you do you, you do lessons? Is, do you do any classes?" And I have to tell them, "Hey, just go to YouTube." Uh, it used to be I'd send everybody to to Ridgeway, but uh, now you know we we had it canceled this year. Hopefully they're going to get that back on on the rails, but. Uh, in this environment gives us a good time to learn. So sit at home and and watch those videos and and fire up the saw. It's the time on the saw that's really going to make you a better carver. Uh, But we just had I just had an event down in South Carolina last weekend uh, to benefit Chris Cox, who started out as a chainsaw carver. And he said, Hey, Paul, you know, you mind, you know, coming down and carving. And I I didn't really know Chris, uh, other than, you know, Facebook, and we would, you know, comment on each other's uh, posts. And I don't, we never even talked on the phone. So I said, well, look, let me, let me make a couple phone calls. And I put, I put a post out, uh, said that I, I wanted to bring some Carvers together. And we got 15 of some of the best Carvers in the country that came in from all over, from New York and Ohio and Georgia and Pennsylvania and uh, Dayton Scoggins, or yeah, Dayton Scoggins came in from Mississippi. All these guys just said, yeah, man, when can I be there? When do you want me there? And we had a great time and just getting carvers together, uh, sharing like we are now, just listening uh, to what people have to say and the lessons that they've learned and watching how people, uh, you know, manipulate a saw and, and, and bring gorgeous pieces of art out of a piece of wood. And even the old guys, the guys that have been doing it 20, 30 years, learn from the new guys because they say, oh, I, I'd never seen that before. And how did you where did you get that part or how did you manipulate that you know, angle grinder? Uh, attach, attachment or whatever they might have, and there's a lot of new stuff out there. I know I listened to Paul Fernet the other day, and he was talking about the new bits that he was using. I'm gonna have to go back and watch his video to see what uh, what he was talking about, because he said he has about four bits that he uses almost exclusively, if I remember. Yeah,
0: I know, and I'm always like, tell me specifically what is it, what size, what.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, because we all we all want to know, we all want to know. Right. Uh, Ryan is it Ryan Cook. From uh, Saw Valley. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. Jesus, uh, uh, it was. Uh, I think it was Chris Foltz, Ryan Cook, and Ryan Villiers. Oh my gosh. You know Ryan Villiers?
0: Yeah, that YouTube yeah. channel <laughs> that, that that Ryan Cook is working on is really cool.
1: Oh my gosh. We were all talking about that down in South Carolina. Just, yeah. just amazing. Just amazing what he's doing. And I do love the uh, the lamination. And I've known uh, Ryan Villiers for a couple of years. But he's been carving so uh, infrequent, you know, three years now, but he's using boards from Lowe's or Home Depot and he's planing them down and gluing them up and creating mind blowing artwork. You don't know where he's where he came from. What what industry did he come from before he started carving?
0: I actually don't know. I started yeah. listening to that, but I have to go back and listen to the whole thing. I'm not sure.
1: I don't think he mentions it. And I, I am, okay. I'm going to have to ask him personally and find out yeah. kind of where he came from. But I, I got to say, I mean, you, your carvings were amazing when I went and just looked at what you've done. How long have you been carving?
0: Um, I think I started, I'm trying to, for sure. It's been since like 2008 yeah. and I, I teach full time, so I only just do it in the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just a. I, I look at it as a Zen. I mean, it's uh, I look I compare it to uh, riding motorcycles because when I'm carving or I'm riding, everything else goes away. You know, all the other problems of the world. That that is my escape. That is where I can really just lose all the problems of the day and focus on that piece. And uh, that's that med- that's you no know, meditation or Zen or whatever you want to call it. That's yeah. where you really can kind of clear clear yourself and uh, and find a uh, find a happy place, you know? Yeah, <laughs> we I all need that. It
0: goes away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So, but you had some other questions. Where else do we want to go here?
0: Okay. I I have to ask this because your your hat is pretty iconic.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. How did
0: yeah. how did you start wearing the hat?
1: Well, that was like I said I have three kids and it was a beach escape we went down to outer banks and we were I always uh, would build uh, big sandcastles with the kids and being fair-skinned blonde hair I would my uh, my face and my nose would get sunburn all the time so that back then it was man it was got to be 15 some years ago I just picked up a straw hat and I wore that hat and I said man my, my nose isn't getting sunburned it's keeping the keeping the the Sun off my neck and I I, I just Kind of picked it up at that point because I was sculpting sand on the beach, um, but it really is a functional thing too, so uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was to keep the sun off of me, but then I realized too that people started recognizing me because I was wearing this hat because I was wearing it all, after I got home I, I kept wearing it and it was it was just something that that uh, started uh, started at the beach and and it worked into my psyche and I started wearing it in one of the trips we've been to Europe a couple times one of the trips we were in. Stuttgart, Germany, I got invited to tour the steel facility and uh, I, I had the hat on and I was in a steel dealer and somebody recognized me from Facebook, you know, it was a Facebook friend and I was like, you, yeah. boy, are you kidding me. Uh, but the hat really, the really has uh, not only the hat that I wear, but uh, are you familiar with the dog I have on the back of my pickup truck, uh, which is, uh, he wears a cowboy hat too. And I put one of my old hats. I carved a dog that just kind of looks over the tailgate of yeah. my of my pickup truck. You can see it on the website. But his name's Woody, and his job in life is to make people smile. But one of the funny stories, I was coming back from Jackson Hole. I took the show out to Jackson Hole. Uh, that was where the inspiration came for putting the putting the, the dog on the back of the truck, because everybody out there had a dog in the back of their truck and, and everybody's driving around with it. So I said, well, I'll carve a dog and put him back there and bolted him on. Uh, but he's on the side so I can still get full usage of my bed, but, uh, I'm driving back through Nebraska and I'm coming back through Nebraska and I'm driving through the night. It was, it was a long night and I look in my rear view, it's about eight o'clock in the morning and there's blue lights. I'm thinking, ah, oh, great. So, you know, pull the, pull the truck and the trailer over in the middle of Nebraska. I'm thinking, man, how kind of luck is this? So I'm getting my, my ID together and everything. The cops walking up the side of the the truck and roll the window down. He starts to go through his motions of, you know, being a cop. And then I realized he's got a big smile on his face. And he was a Facebook friend that recognized me from Facebook. Mike Riesch, Mike Griege, who I keep in touch with to this day, uh, and there's a great photo on my Facebook page of he and I standing in front of the cruiser that he pulled me over with, and uh, just both of us smiling like a couple of school kids. Uh, but yeah, Facebook friends are real. Uh, the people that have recognized me around the world, that, that it's just remarkable. It's just remarkable. But that that speaks to branding. Um, that also speaks to logos and business cards and websites. Uh, and there's yeah, no yeah. question that that's, that's something that a lot of carvers are missing. Um, you know, there aren't classes for sales and marketing out there or how to create a, a logo or brand yourself. But those little little pieces of the puzzle are what allowed me, I think, to rocket my business to where it is today. And I mean, here we are sitting in June and I'm booked out till October, November. I've got, I mean, multi-million dollar Uh, projects that are coming my way. That's the whole budget for the project. But I am blown away at the people that are calling me with huge, huge projects, uh, corporations and uh, and non-disclosure agreements that I have to sign with these people. So I'm six years in and I am just, I'm like, what's it going to be when I'm 10 years or 15 years in? Who who knows? Sky's the limit. So uh, just another uh, comment on this industry and how lucrative and fun cutting wood can be I cut wood for a living but it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun
0: yeah Yeah. for sure yeah so you maybe talked about this a little bit already with with your son and the kiteboarding and the photography Mm -hmm. but when I was looking at your photos it always looks like you're carving in exotic locations do you travel a lot when you carve or is your photography Um,
1: not really it I got to tell you I live I built my house I built this house on a hill so those photos that you see most, almost all of them on my website or stuff that I post, you see sky and clouds yeah. and the, I just, it's, it's all perspective. And I, I that's a, that's something that I, I will remind everybody. It's really important to make sure you have the sun in the right location, make sure the lens on your camera is clear. And, you know, just take a, a series of photos in a way that you don't have a lot of junk in the background. I see gorgeous photos that people take with well, this gorgeous sculpture, but it's in their shop. The lighting's all wrong, and their dog's doing something in the back. Now, I love having my dog in the pictures, but you really do have to take just a few minutes and set the shot up. Look at the lighting. Uh, put the camera on a tripod so it's not shaking. Put a timer on it, and then get in the photo. That's the other thing that I try to do. I try to get uh, you know myself carving or whatever. Um, I there's all the whole whole bunch of uh, Notes on how to take good photos, but just go online and look at look at good photos. I had a friend that was a studio photographer, and he did take a couple of my photos that are on my my sites. But um, if you just look at the way a good photo is laid out, uh, you know Jeff Samadowski, Some of the pieces that he's done he he gets uh, obviously professional photographers are probably chasing him around to to take beautiful photos but a a good piece can be made or broken by a photographer you know if it's a good photo with good lighting it can take it over the moon but if it's not done right it'll just be overlooked so uh, that's that's really really important so yeah I'm glad you think they're exotic locations but most of them are in my backyard Um, but yeah I try to get the sky and the clouds in the back and I'm what the way I do that is I put the camera almost on the ground and then I'm shooting up uh, yeah. and that's the perspective you're, you're looking up. It makes the, the sculpture look bigger, uh, but many times I'll pitch the sculpture back. I'll tilt it. So, you know, I'm really playing with uh, perspective. There was one that I did. I carved these little Christmas trees and they were only three feet tall. But what I did is I, I went like 25 feet behind them with a chainsaw and it made it look like I was carving full size trees. Uh, I did that with a buffalo, too. just just playing around. you know you 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 just play with the perspective to make the sculpture look massive and you're looking tiny. so lots of lots of ways you can manipulate and just have fun, just have fun with it. but again, pictures speak a thousand words. That's how people find you. Um, so find a website. I mean one in one is is the company that I use, and again, I think it's very, very reasonable and very, very easy. Uh, to do, but you can't take enough photos of your, uh, sculptures. I was just talking to Chris Connors. He stopped in and Chris is a master, master sculptor, uh, master at so many things. He's the one that, uh, I brought in to do that 20 uh, foot grizzly. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, that was the largest chainsaw carved bear on the East coast. And we carved that down in Bethesda, Maryland. And I learned so much carving with Chris, uh, the, we, we built that scaffold around the bear, and the way he the way he uh, uses grid systems to transfer all of the, the measurements onto the wood, because we're 20 feet up in the air, and you really can't step back and look. You have to measure, and it was just phenomenal the way that he transferred everything. I learned so much in that sense, but also the way he finishes a sculpture. We finished the whole head of this 20 foot bear, complete took the scaffold down, went down one level, and then finished the shoulders and the arms complete and then put the scaffold down to the next level. So you, I had never done one that way. Of course, I'd never done a bear that big either. Uh, but that that's the kind of stuff that uh, new carvers or even intermediate cars, if you ever get the chance to, to work with a master, uh, and learn from them. That is uh, invaluable. You can't put a price on that. I was talking to uh, Jason Stoner was one of the carvers that came down with us in South Carolina and he was getting ready to to leave, to go out and carve with Mark Culp and Jeff Samadowski, which is like a dream. Uh, and he was just going out to carve with them, you know, and, and yeah. he's made friends and that is, I guess, one of the benefits with the, uh, the competitions uh, where you get, you form these relationships as well. So, I guess I, maybe I will have to get out to uh, some of the, some of those uh, competitions one day because I would love to carve with some of those guys. Uh, but the relationships, uh, the brotherhood of the saw, uh, we saw that uh, in play down in South Carolina because we all sat around after the end of the day, covered in sweat. It was 95 degrees during the day and, and hot, and we're all coming down from you know up north, a bunch of us. And man, that heat was was really wreaking havoc with me. Uh, I was feeling it, but nonetheless, we stayed up and talked till. You know, we ours and it was it was wonderful to to hear the stories and, uh, and just just glean so much information. Yeah,
0: that's cool. And that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you later is about like the benefits of collaboration. So that was oh, yeah. cool. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, we were, I was a little bit jealous when I saw all you guys at that um at that event. Cause we're all, you know, everything's getting canceled and right. I'm like, Oh man, people are carving together.
1: <laughs> right. We're, we all, we all talked about that too, because of that, you know, out of chaos can come a lot of opportunity. So, yeah. uh, I think a lot of those guys came away with, Hey man, we, we really need to do more of this because this is great. We're, we're supporting, uh, somebody that we really believe in. Now, Chris is one of us, uh, Chainsaw Carver turned Bikers for Trump, and now he's going to be a congressman, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? That shows how, you know, one of us can rock it to the top. Uh, yeah. And then that brought, for me, that brought the opportunity. I'm actually doing that big eagle for Donald Trump. So... Uh, I'm doing a nine foot Eagle for Donald Trump. And then we, I, I carved a six footer for Barron uh, Baron Trump for his birthday. So, I mean, how does that happen? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, out of those, out of those opportunities, uh, that you get together and, and Chris is just a great guy, but yeah, being able to go to the white house, who would have thought, who would have thought that could happen? And, uh, yeah, but the, the support of, of chainsaw carvers for, uh, any number of, uh, you know, organizations, but a lot of the guys are really, really behind, you know, uh, the, what's going on uh, to, to really get some good people into the government. And uh, I don't want to go off too far on that, but they are all the same mind. I will tell you that they were all very passionate about, about the United States and how we really need to get this thing back on track. So uh, if Chainsaw Carvers can unite and make a difference like Chris Cox has, uh, that's, that's really a good, a good thing. And we do have a great, a great team. I mean, I've, I've never met a chainsaw carver, uh, that I, that I couldn't, you know, put my arm around and shake his hand and, and feel like he was a friend. Um, yeah. it, it really is remarkable. Again, Ridgeway is a great example of that. And and I hope that thing will continue. They, I think they were going to reschedule it. Um, but how, how's the virus doing up there? Are you guys coming into, you know, being able to have a little bit more of a normal life up there?
0: we're getting closer we still have we still have quite a few restrictions and mm-hmm. our numbers are not good even though we've been staying home so
1: really? <laughs> i don't know well that's what they found is that the, the people staying home in new york uh, most of the cases were the piece of people that stayed quarantined so yeah. <laughs> being quarantined is not the answer but anyway yeah. i don't want to go too far off on that but uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's it's really a crazy situation, but I think it's it's forced us. Uh, there's one guy, uh, Steve, uh, was it Steve Winterburn? Uh, he's he's in Europe, but he's a sculptor, and I've posted a couple of his mind blowing sculptures. And it's not wood; it's typically clay, and then he does bronze. But he talks about what he's doing in isolation. You know, he's creating in isolation, and it's giving him a great opportunity because. Uh, there's nobody, you know, stopping in and, and, and pestering him. It, it's it, that we can, we can all take advantage of that. Cause I know uh, I'm working out of my home and then I have an open air uh, studio. That's about 10 minutes from here, which is a, a sawmill. So I I have, you know, you see these big pieces that I do. I don't own this big equipment. but They come in and move the logs around and set them up for me and load them onto my truck if I need them. Uh, but uh, being able to be uh, isolated is there's a lot of advantage to that. Uh, There, there are some carvers that I've talked to that have opened retail outlets, uh, just a retail store, and typically they've all said it was the worst idea they possibly have. Now, I know some guys that have had success with it, and and that's fantastic. But if you're running a shop that's open to the public, you're going to have people coming in, you know, asking you, you know, obvious questions that you've answered a thousand times, and it just takes away from. your production. And and that was the other thing from my corporate experience is time management, Uh, being able to manage your time, planning your day the night before, making sure you hit the ground running. Uh, I'm sitting in my office right now and I've got a big calendar that has all of my uh, projects for the year booked. And then I've got on deck and production boards that are right on wipe off. And they've got all the people that are waiting for me to, to get them on the schedule, but they've got kind of notes uh, as well as to what the budget was and when they want them. Um, I think that that comes from my, again, sales and marketing, but I don't know how anybody would be able to you know keep their mind straight without documenting all of the phone calls that you get and so forth. So being, being somewhat business minded uh, is pretty necessary to, to create a, a successful business because you do you do have to have that to to get yourself to the point where again you can buy a nice truck take a vacation pay all your bills uh, it, but it's very doable but it does not it's not rocket science um, but the marketing aspect in the business sense is in uh, talking to a lot of carvers that is that is something that everybody needs to improve on but getting together uh, carvers in your area is always a good idea whether it's uh you know a small organization of six carvers or four carvers, but there's power in that in those numbers because we all feed steel steel sharpened steel uh, sort of scenario that's uh, that's very, very effective.
0: No and like you said, when you were able to go full time and kind of focus your mind i mm-hmm. I have that where I'm usually thinking about teaching because I do that full time right but I've right. been lucky. My, my husband, like when people call and stuff, he puts it all in a spreadsheet for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm working full time and then I come home and try to carve and I, I don't have the time to do like, like you're saying, even though I know I should, but it's been great. Cause he'll be like, Nope, I got it in the spreadsheet. You know, they're fifth down on the list and <laughs>
1: So yeah like and everybody has different talents so you know and I, I that was something I was going to mention was the the husband and wife teams that I've seen in in the past uh I think some of the most successful Carver Carver's out there are husband and wife teams because there's there's so much power in some and my wife has been behind me pushing me and supporting me for what now over almost 35 years we we were together in high school so she's been with me through a lot of crazy craziness and and different ideas uh, that I've come up with but this this one is definitely the one that 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 went right over the back fence you know this one I knocked it out of the park and, and we're still climbing uh, but if it wasn't for her, because she handles so much of the the invoicing and, and bills and paying the bills and the banking and everything, I couldn't do that. That's not the way my brain works. So, you know, just like your husband helping you with that, that that really is uh, you can't say n- more enough about that. Uh, so yeah. that's wonderful.
0: Do you, what tips do you have about tools, like maybe for people that are newer to carving, or like you said, even. You know, older carvers can learn from newer carvers too sometimes.
1: Um, Just, uh, I I really, I really enjoy the new technology that's coming out. I don't know if you saw that little baby saw that I had. Uh, It's a little, uh, boy, what's the name of it? It's steel, it's like a pistol grip. It's a pruning saw. It's a tiny little thing. Um, But I just stumbled onto that. Uh, When I was in Germany, they would show me, you know, different new different saws that they were working on and carbon fiber stuff and lightweight stuff that I wasn't allowed to talk about at that time. But now all that stuff is on the market. And I saw this pistol grip and it's just a little tiny saw, but I just posted the picture. I mean, I'm I'm working on a nine foot Eagle that has all these feathers that, that saw is absolutely perfect to get into some of these little nooks and crannies. So, you know, uh, social media is wonderful for that. When, when you find something that works for you, post it and say something nice about it. Um, the saber tooth bits, they're coming out with just fantastic, uh, improvements. They're really gnarly bits. Um, I do want to go back and listen to that Paul Fernet. you know, four bits that he used on a regular basis, man, that's, that's something I want to know about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody has their favorites and, uh, they're, they're, you know, everybody has a different style too, but that's, that's a beautiful part about the industry. But when you do have carvers collected together, walking around and just watching, uh, you know, watching what videos people post. Cause yeah, somebody will be using a tool with an attachment, you know, some of the attachments on the angle grinders that I've seen, uh, right now I'm trying to uh, figure out how to get a speed. A speed adjustment on an angle grinder so that I can use a specific sander that I found an attachment for, but the the grinder just works too fast. But if I could interrupt that with a with a speed or I guess a voltage regulator that would bring the speed down, that would be really helpful. I know they exist out there. So if anybody's listening to this and says, "Oh, I know what he wants," send me a note, please. Uh, (laughs) That would be that would be helpful. Yeah, Uh, we learn from each other, certainly.
0: And then. I, when I was looking through your post, I saw a post where you said Blue Spruce had messed up all your stuff because of that and you didn't want to carve it anymore. I was,
1: particular, I was particularly bitter because I had just come back from Europe with carving gear that you can't get in the United States. It was right. just like, it was so frustrating. But I will say, yes, I learned from this Blue Spruce that it can be pretty messy. But one of the pieces that I did maybe four or five years ago was a double eagle kind of the yin and yang uh layout of two eagles intertwined and i think it's their mating dance or something And it was like a seven foot carver and i did it out of blue spruce and it still to this day looks fantastic because i did it for somebody in my home in my hometown so i can monitor that and realize okay i didn't like that wood because it was messy but you know what it, it didn't uh, it didn't check yeah. Um, but the other wood that I'm real, this nine foot Eagle that I'm working on for Donald Trump is Polonia. And that has got to be my favorite wood. Cause we don't have red uh, redwood. So, uh, sure. I do have a big trout project. I'm going to be, you know, trucking in wood from California for that. And I'm on the East coast, but we don't get that wood, but the Polonia has a hole that travels up the center of the wood. It has gorgeous grain and it doesn't check. So when I carve those big wings, you know i know that it's going to dry evenly and when i burn the wings it's going to look fantastic and i put the oil on them and again i've monitored you know these big ones that i've done and they don't they don't crack they don't check like other other wood uh yeah. that's i guess depending on where you carve, there's some wood that is you know indicative of your area indigenous uh, but we are very fortunate in Pennsylvania to have some really nice wood, and the and the Bologna is one of them. It's not real easy to find, but I got lucky and I bought a whole truckload. I bought a whole uh, uh, logging truck full of it, and I, I, I you know hit the jackpot there. But I, when I was out in Jackson Hole, I thought you know I thought I was going to be in Fat City and and be access to some big logs, but that wasn't the case in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I had to drive five hours over the Grand Tetons up into Big Sky, Montana before I could find logs big enough to do my big bears and eagles and then those were standing dead so it was really a, an eye opener to realize how fortunate I am here in Pennsylvania to have mills that are you know giving me planks they're giving me all different species that I want they're giving me good prices they're all friends and you know the relationships that I have formed with them are priceless really uh, but that's something that I, after talking to a lot of carvers, you realize how people struggle to get quality wood. Um, you know, listening to Paul Fournette talk about his uh, his studio, the way he's building that with the shipping containers and so forth. Um, I'm still outside. I still my my production area is out in the, in the sunshine, which I love. Uh, I do have trees that are overhanging. And then I do have a facility that has been offered to me. But if you are a carver and you have a facility that you can get out of the rain and the weather, you are very fortunate. So uh, not, that it, not that it has held me back much. I mean, you can see the, the, the work that I produce. It doesn't seem to have held me back much. But uh, people like Chris Connors, who he just is building a new facility, he's milling the wood and, and everything. He's building it completely from scratch. And it is going to be fantastic. Uh, but having that roof over your head while you're producing... Uh, Jeff Moore uh, also has a beautiful uh, barn that he has. And I know that makes a difference from production when you don't have to worry about, oh man, it's going to rain. I got to finish this piece or it's going to snow or it's going to be 95 degrees. I got to finish this tonight before the weather comes in. That affects your ability to produce. So uh, that's, that's another piece to the puzzle.
0: Yeah, I hear that. I just, I was actually, I left town for turkey hunting and my husband was going to sand a carving for me and he had to sand it in the snow. He wasn't very happy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's, that's the challenges that we face. And, you know, when I started, it was in my driveway, you know, it was in my driveway and I was able to launch the business from the driveway. But nowadays, uh, you know, I know it is, it is a challenge. I hear people talking about, Oh, well, we had the neighbors complain and this and that. And I appreciate that. Uh, I, I finally, uh, I basically, I became the uh, vice president of the homeowners association. That's how I solved my problem. Uh, But ultimately I took my business after it started, I took it to the mill. So I don't use gas saws at my house. I use a great collection of lithium powered saws. Those are game changers. Those, those, that technology has come so far. Uh, They, a lot of them will run right next to a gas saw and you have just as much power and uh, not, don't have the noise. Uh, yeah. And that's, that technology is just leaps and bounds uh, ahead of where it was five, 10 years ago. So, uh, and I tell all my customers too, I have a lot, you know, a lot of older folks that can't pull start a chainsaw, but they need to prune a limb or they need to do something around the house. And the investment into a lithium saw is great. You pick it up, turn it on, it goes, put it down. And that's another thing when you're carving is great. Cause having to pull that saw right now, I'm coming off of neck surgery. I'm about seven weeks out now, but uh, they took a disc out of my neck and put a new one in. So they told me, you know, I shouldn't be pull, pull starting a chainsaw. So that has been very, very frustrating. But I just now recently have gotten back to where I can do my workouts and sit-ups and push-ups and everything, but I still pulling a saw is not something that I I should be doing. So I have my assistants, my, my uh, carving friends, when we were down there pulling the saw for me and then handing it to me so I could do that. But primarily, I was using the lithium saws, which which got a lot done. So.
0: Yeah, and they like you said, they could really help out people too that don't have somewhere to carve if they're just starting out, so they don't make the neighbors mad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now the neighbors, the neighbors really approve. I mean, I have people that c- come and visit me on a regular basis because they want to see what I'm working on in my driveway. Um, I've had people drive you know tremendous distances and i I wish they would call me first but they show up and hey man i just wanted to talk to you i wanted to meet you and this and that which is great i mean it's uh i love it i've uh, done that myself Uh, but i usually call first uh and make make an arrangement before i just show up but it it shows how we influence each other it's uh it's very flattering when they when they show up uh but uh it's uh you know carving carving at your home i wish i had an enclosure here but we have the three kids that are now grown now, so we've got a large house that's uh, pretty empty uh, with one dog. Uh, so, yeah, maybe finding another facility at one point, but I, I really like it here. I do really like it here. So.
0: Yeah. You talked a little bit about one, but do you do a lot of on-sites? And if you do, what advice do you have to make sure that
1: things go smoothly? That. That is where the money is uh, the 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 custom commissions that are on site are usually that those are my bigger dollar pieces um and yes, that is I'm looking at my board now. I probably have sixty thousand dollars worth of on sites just waiting now they're waiting because I had my surgery so that they're backed up a little bit, but they can be anywhere from a thousand or usually twelve hundred to to five six seven eight thousand dollars a piece, so those are very lucrative. Uh, and that is uh, you travel a little bit, you have to stay over. Uh, many times the customer will offer to have you stay in their home, <laughs> which is remarkable. They don't know anything about you. But I guess with the social media, they have an idea who right. you are, but it's it's tremendous. That sort of uh, goodwill when somebody says, hey, no, you're not going to get a hotel, you're going to stay with us and we're going to feed you dinner and everything. Uh, and you're covered with sawdust and you're sweaty and everything else, but they want they want you to stay there and they want to talk and they want to hear all about your story. So uh, that says quite a bit uh, about the the industry. We've we've got a pretty good reputation, I guess, as good people. Yeah. Uh, but yes, those I, I I'm amazed that there are still carvers out there that say no, I don't I don't do a lot of on sites. And I think they're they're leaving a lot of money on the table when they say that. So that's absolutely something that they should consider and it is different in the sense that now you're not in your studio you're not by yourself then you have time to take you know to really pay closer attention now you're on a clock so to speak Mm -hmm. uh you've got an audience you got people looking out the windows and people asking you questions and taking pictures and so forth uh so i i could understand that it's uh it's kind of nerve-wracking to do the uh on sites but Without a doubt. I, I think you need to consider it everybody needs to consider those because they are very lucrative.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing I, I do them periodically. The only thing like you said, I feel the pressure like I gotta get this done in three days or whatever right. it is. I can't cause then I'm headed back home and you know, I don't wanna be here for for a week tra- trying right. to like pile it in. So you gotta kinda it's almost like being at a competition, you gotta move fast to put
1: yourself on a timeline right right it it requires uh, some self uh, self uh, monitoring in a self in the sense that time management is really important i've actually had people fly me where i had to fly in and then rent equipment at the location so that's very doable though you you absolutely can pull that off but these days i try to limit myself to about a 2 or 3 hour uh, uh, driving distance unless it's a really big a big opportunity which those come um, my, my phone rings every day the emails come in the facebook messages texts uh managing all that is, is quite a challenge and i I see people like Steve Blanchard, who is such a great guy. I I can't thank him enough for, you know, the saw dogs information, but his website now is pretty much like you have to inspire him (laughs) by your commission. If he's even going to take your work because he's, he's at a point where he doesn't even advertise really. Uh, There's a couple other carvers that I know that have really kind of disappeared from the internet because they've, they've hooked up the, the, the large clientele that, now they really don't need to take the small small jobs, and I can definitely see myself heading in that direction. I never thought I would sign a non non disclosure agreement with a major corporation uh so i' I never thought I'd be in that situation and it's something that's going to take me out of the out of the you know small commissions for at least a year I would think. Uh, But then, you know, where do I go from there? Uh, There's there's other projects in Hawaii that I've uh, been been quoting and talking to engineers. Uh, It's remarkable the, the reach that. The website, again, I'm I'm pretty sure that's where most of my exposure comes from. So if there was again one important message that came out came from this discussion would be spend some time on a website. If you don't know how to do it yourself, find find a 15, 16-year-old to help you because these young kids know how to do this stuff. Uh yep. it's just they know they know the ins and outs. And uh one-in-one one is definitely the way that I would go. I haven't had any issues with them. Uh, and then the google algorithms that's that's the other thing the Google Analytics, knowing that if you pinpoint yourself on Google Maps, put yourself a location for your business and then put in all the necessary keywords. So when somebody's searching for chainsaw sculpture, wood sculpture, sculptor, chainsaw artist, you know all those keywords, then you work your way up to the top of the uh, Google results and Mm -hmm. I don't know how I did it I really didn't know what the hell I was doing but I I somehow come up very high uh, and I check with people all over the country and apparently I come up very high on any google search or google image search uh, for chainsaw carving and that you can't say enough about that that's that's uh, advertising that's uh, just just out there and that's typically how people find you typically
0: no and that's good to have other people check because sometimes you're you're on there like, I think I, I think I did it, but you have yeah, another you have
1: a cachet. Yeah. Your computer has cachet.
0: Right. Uh, but
1: having somebody else critique your website? Uh, somebody that's honest. Um, I'm my own worst enemy, my own worst critic. I look at my work. I'll go through my, my website on a fairly regular basis and say, Oh, that's out of here. That's out of here. That's out of here. And if one picture on my website, if I can't hang my hat, on that one picture, if somebody sees one picture of Paul Wachlow's sculpture, and it's not representative of what I feel is some of my best work, it's out of there. And you know, that's, that's something you have to do too. If you've got pictures on your website, that are like, okay, but you're not really proud of it. Get it off there. If you have four pictures on your website, but those four pictures are what you're really proud of. That's much better than having 20 pictures of stuff that's mediocre at best or, you know, not your best work. So quality, uh, when, when a customer or a, you know, a, a, a council group from a city wants to commission a sculpture or a school, they're going to look at your website and they're going to look at a couple other guys' websites and they're going to compare and pictures speak a thousand words. And they're going to look and say, okay, we're not even going to call this guy because he doesn't even look like he does much work. But he could be a really good carver, but he hasn't taken the time to put those pieces on his website. So right. that's, I've seen that over and over. I'm still, I just scratch my head and like, how am I getting all of these offers and all of these commissions? Um, but websites are really the window to the world these days. So uh, it, it's a, it's a big part of business and uh, a lot of people are missing it. So uh, go out there and, and find somebody to help you do it and, uh, and get that website going.
0: Cool. And then my last question is just, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you'd like to cover? Anything else you want to share with other Carvers?
1: Uh, You know, we we talked over the last weekend with uh, Carvers sitting around, and, and it seems like health is a big issue. Now, here I am just coming off this surgery, and I consider myself in pretty good shape. I mean, I'm 55 years old, and I'm still in pretty good shape, but uh, it, it, diet and exercise and nutrition are so important. I want to be able to do this when I'm 65 or even 75. I would love to be able to still do small stuff. But if you if you make poor diet decisions now, uh, I don't drink any you know sugary drinks or sodas. I try to stay away from uh, processed food as much as I can. I do, I do eat a a lot of stuff right out of the garden and non-processed foods. I take a lot of supplements, uh, apple cider vinegar and, uh, coconut oil and, uh, a couple, a couple other things, but there, there are nutritional elements that are missing in everybody's diet. And if you're not fueling your body, your body is going to just slowly deteriorate. When you get sick, it's because your body is not able to to complete the battle. Uh, our bodies battle, our immune system battles every day. And when your immune system is failing, that's when you get sick. So a lot of the supplements that I take are really helping my immune system. And that's something that, you know, with this whole COVID thing, I, and I know nurses and I have, my daughter's a nurse and there are people that are in the medical industry that just laugh at this because it's like, your immune system is remarkable and really has the ability to fight this stuff off. When you were a kid, grandma would let you sit in a mud puddle and eat mud and go out and play with the farm animals and you know get dirty. And she knew that that's how you build your immune system. Nowadays, these kids are held inside. They're, they're, they're hand sanitizing. Their house is all wiped down with Clorox. They're never coming in contact with bacteria. And their immune system is going to suffer one day when they go outside and get licked by a dog their immune system is going to go crazy because their body hasn't had the chance to build up this immunity so a lot of chainsaw carvers we're out there breathing dust we're out there on the vitamin d coming from the sun uh, drinking a lot of water is probably one of the most important things uh, if you're not drinking water because you're thirsty you need to drink water because your body needs replenished or sweating and our joints need lubed up we're primarily made out of water so Drinking a lot of water is important. I have my my regular workout schedule that I do almost on a daily basis. I try to, uh, which is, you know, half an hour of free weights and push-ups and, you know, just different things to keep my body and stretching. Um, I was doing kickboxing for about a year and a half before they shut all the gyms down, and I really miss that. Uh, but just get, getting your body flexed and, and loose and stretching – Uh, getting a full sweat on. Uh, Most carvers will do that. But diet is such a big part of it. And uh, that's something that I think a lot of people are missing. Uh, Just remind everybody, if you love what you're doing, you want to be able to do it 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you need to take care of your body now. um, Because we're we're, beating on our bodies using these saws, Uh, we have to take care of them. Uh, to make sure that we, we counter all that abuse with, with good nutrition.
0: Definitely good tips.
1: I think that's, uh, that's about all I had to share. And uh, it was just, I was I'm very, very flattered that you chose me to talk to because I, I looked at all the fantastic carvers that you've talked to and I'm just thrilled that you, you pulled my name out of a hat. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being on. It was good to talk to you because I've, I've followed you for a long time on social media, but, it's always nice to be able to actually have a conversation with somebody.
1: Yes, yes, no cool. question. One day we can shake hands and hug and be friends. So I look yeah. forward to that day. Yeah, yeah maybe
0: we we'll get an event together.
1: Yeah, would love it. Love it. Well, again, thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. Be sure to go and check out our other episodes. Uh, the podcast is to help chainsaw carvers learn from each other, even when they can't be near each other. So if you're secluded, we hope that you were able to learn something from the podcast. To make sure that other carvers find the podcast, if you could like it, share it, or rate it, that will help us out.